0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church
1: But avoid irreverent babble for it will lead to people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene among them also are Harminius and Philetus who have swerved from the truth saying that the resurrection has already happened they are upsetting the faith of some but God's firm foundation stands bearing his seal the Lord knows who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. I can
0: see the promised land
1: Though there's pain
0: within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every giant will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past. You've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh nothing is impossible. It has been said before that. It's not what is being taught from the pulpit, but what is not being taught that does the most harm to the church. It's easy to compromise your witness when you become too focused or even obsessed on the wrong thing. Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so happy that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program. And as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program, we continue our series in the Pastoral Epistles as Pastor Keith continues to walk us through the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to 2 Timothy 2, verse 14 as we hear a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, The Facts of Life, Facts versus Friction. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: Today we're going to be talking about fact versus friction. That's not a typographical error. It's a weak attempt at humor on my part. And uh, then it's subtitled fact versus fiction. But before we get into that, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here today among your church in this meeting house, this building, Father. Uh, We thank you that we can be here virtually too online And, Lord, that we can all gather to hear God's word. Father, your word is the truth. It doesn't contain the truth. It is the truth. And it is that truth that sets us free from fear, from cultural narratives, Father, from friction, Lord, with this world that we do not worry about what the world thinks, only what our master thinks. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. It is a fact that there will always be conflict between Christ and the world. And that's inevitable for a follower of Jesus Christ, for his church. We're going to be in conflict with the culture until he returns in one form or another. Sometimes, it almost looks on the surface, as if it's the culture 21 And the church, seven, going into the third quarter. But those appearances are often deceiving because we know that God is sovereign, right? We talked about that last week and the implications of all that. And so what we have to do as believers, as those who know the truth, as those who understand the world through the lens of Scripture, is we have to rely on God's Word and not things like lived experience or cultural narratives or... Or or whatever the propaganda is that's being circulated at any point in time. And therein lies the friction. But as we discussed last week, last week we looked at four inescapable facts that will enable us to hang in and hang on during the tough times. And let me just review that because these facts give us the perspective we need in times like this. And the first fact was this, if you follow Christ, you're going to be persecuted. It's a fact of life, right? That's what we talked about last week. And that regardless of the restrictions that anyone, government, culture, the workplace, puts on you, you Paul was bound in chains as a criminal, regardless of those strictures and restrictions, the word of God is not bound. And it proceeds forth and it accomplishes. It does not return void. It goes forth for salvation or condemnation. And it cannot fail. We also understood that everything that we do here isn't for our resume isn't for the approval of others it is for the sake of others that god's elect might be saved that the people of god that those who that that someone may receive salvation in christ and we do everything we do as christians as a church that is our purpose we cannot solve the world's problem we cannot eliminate injustice and hunger and all those things we cannot stop wars but we can, humanly speaking, save souls. After all, what does it profit a person that they gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? We're about the gospel. And finally, we understand this, that man is not in control. God is. And that there's nothing human beings can do to thwart the advance of the gospel. Nothing. Nothing. God is in control. All things really do work together for good. Even what men and women intend is evil against us. God intends for good to bring about a present result to save many people alive. And he is unstoppable, undefeatable, immutable, sovereign, omnipotent. And that is the good news. And these facts are essential to not just your survival, but thriving Because these facts enable you to discipline your mind and your soul to do the things that God has called you to do. One of the things that's kind of interesting when you look at 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy is shaped like an hourglass like this. And that is a literary technique that was done in uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern literature but also in uh, Greco-Roman literature where you start broadly and you come to a point and then you go back out. You saw that in 1 Timothy where the thesis statement comes in the middle of the book. I write these things to you so that you'll know how to conduct yourself in the household of God, the household of faith, the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And you find that in today's, uh, in today's book, 2 Timothy as well. The thesis statement comes in the middle, 2 Timothy 2.15. And so what happens is, as Paul kind of works backwards from the spiritual disciplines to the facts that undergird them to the truth where we find the facts. And we're going to see some of this play out today. But the good news is whether you're a pastor imprisoned by an increasingly totalitarian government like Pastor Coates in Canada who's been released or whether you're a Christian living today being tarred and feathered in the culture by a racial narrative of a shooting in Atlanta, Georgia or a racial narrative of a shooting in uh, Boulder, Colorado... The facts are that when you look at these things through the lens of Scripture, you're able to make sense of it all. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a terrible thing. You know, the shooting in Atlanta, you know, I, I watched this pastor in Madison, Wisconsin, do a sermon where he brought an Asian man up on stage. And the Asian man bore witness how he was terrified to live in this country and, you know, that the shooting took place in Atlanta because of this man's religion and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, because this pastor and his church unwittingly jumped on board with a culture and narrative that was false. The FBI, the Atlanta Police Department, Sheriff Departments said it was not racially motivated. The guy was a sex fiend and he was losing his mind and he did a terrible thing. And it had nothing to do with race. And I remember re- listening to the fact that this terrible white guy went into this place in Boulder Colorado and shot up a grocery store he was Syrian and he was a Muslim he wasn't a Christian but this is the cultural narrative and I watched this church in Madison Wisconsin you know go through all these contortions and I I saw the danger of the church looking to the culture for its relevance and this pastor who's retiring Jumps on this narrative and misleads his people because he's looking to the culture, not the Word of God, no matter how well intended he was. And then he did a, a sermon on the fruits of the Spirit and he brought up this, he had this bowl with all this stuff in it. and I noticed that he's going to be preaching on the fruits of the Spirit, but there are a lot of carrots in that bowl. And I, the last time I checked, carrots were vegetables, but it really told me about the theology. It really, to me, that spoke volumes more than his misguided, inept attempts to placate the culture. We don't do that. We have to look at what is true. We cannot let the culture groom us to react to its strictures and dictates. We are talking about on the podcast this Wednesday about that. You've been groomed part two. Uh, But today, what we're looking at is fact versus friction. And we are seeking to understand how then do we function in this world? Where are the facts found? What do we do with them? We saw the spiritual disciplines, we saw the facts of life, but where do they come from? And what do we do with these? So, this week we talk about the source of all this, where we must get our facts, and we don't get our facts from social media. We don't get our facts from the New York Times, the Washington Post, which one week post a story and the next week on the back page retract it. We don't look to your truth or my truth. That you know, Those phrases would be laughable if they weren't so tragic. We look to the truth, which is the word of God. And so today, I want us to look into, we'll be focusing on 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 16, but I just want to walk you through verses 8 through 18, or 19, 18, just for the context, so you can understand where th- this is all coming from and how it all fits into a larger scheme. And so we read this in 2 Timothy 2 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, is preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain salvation that is in Christ, that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless... He is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Verse 14, remind them of these things. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead to people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them also are Harminius and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing his seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now our verse is in that flow of thought and what you can see is it's starting wide and it lands narrowly on verse 15. So let me just pick up in verse 14 again. Remind them of these things, the things that came before, and charge them, command them before God not to quarrel, not to quibble about words. In those days uh, Judaism said every word had five meanings and so The Judaizers and the false teachers were always playing with that kind of idea. Charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. People get wrapped up in all kinds of junk and they miss the main thing. Verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Why? Why? rightly handling the word of truth, but instead avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus who have swerved from the truth saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. What is going on here? Paul is imparting to Timothy and to us by extension what it's going to take to, s- to minister in this world, in their world, in their Christ-hostile world, which happened at that time to be on the eve of the Neronian persecution. But if you're watching the world around you right now, you can feel the heat being turned up on Christ's church. And so Paul writes more or less on the eve of his execution as an enemy of the state to calm and to stabilize and to prepare Timothy for what lies ahead. And that's a ministry without him. It's a ministry where he's going to have to depend not on somebody he could talk to like an apostle, not a prophet, but the written word of God, which really transcends everything else. Timothy is frightened, he's shaken, and Paul encourages him to fan into flame the gift that God has given him for the sake of the gospel. He pointed Timothy toward those spiritual disciplines that we talked about two weeks ago and to the facts of life that we talked about last week. And then he brings it all down to the scriptures. Cling to what is true is what he tells him and he tells us. And he tells him and he tells us to do that, you have to learn what is true. And these two necessities are what we're going to be talking about today. Because if you don't do these two things... You won't even know what the facts of life are. You won't have a a foothold on which to push off to discipline your mind, your soul, your heart, your life around the spiritual disciplines that you need. And so Paul is working backwards to this point and he brings these two essentials to bear and let's talk about the first essential, cling to what is true. Cling to what is true. Don't lose sight of reality. Don't lose sight of truth Hang on to it. You see that in verses 14 and 16. There are two commands here, or two types of commands. There is a positive command and two negative commands. And let me just walk you through this, these two verses here that sandwich in the point of the whole book. Remind them of these things. That's the positive command. All these things that we just talked about, the spiritual disciplines, the facts of life. If you're a Christian, you're going to be persecuted. But God is sovereign. We do what we do for the glory of God, the good of others, and our own growth. And God's word cannot be bound. Remind them of these things. And then he says, and charge them. That's a military term. Order them, command them before God, Before our commander-in-chief, you might say, not to quarrel, not to quibble about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Verse 16, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Here Paul is reminding Timothy to remind his flock of what has been discussed in the first 13 verses of the chapter. Indeed, even in chapter 1. And we talked about this before, the matters of spiritual discipline, to draw strength from the graces of Christ, be strengthened, remember what Christ has done for you, to remind them of of the discipline of discipleship, of investing in others, of, of passing on the teaching to others who will be able to teach others also. Christianity is a team sport, not a spectator sport. Remind them of the discipline of suffering like a good soldier, like an athlete straining ahead, like a hard-working farmer. Remind them of these disciplines. Remind them of the discipline of thinking these things through because God, if they do, if they dwell on these things, if they, if they obsess on these things, if they agonize on these things, God will grant them understanding. And this keeps us away from foolish and rash decisions like embracing the latest crisis on stage without waiting to see what the facts are, as this pastor did in Madison, Wisconsin. It it helps us avoid substituting something else for the gospel. And then he goes on and he says, you know, remind them of these things. And these are the fact that if you follow Christ, you will be persecuted. The fact that God's word cannot be bound. The fact that we do all things for the sake of others. And the fact that no matter what happens in this crazy world around us, God is sovereign. And Paul says, remind them of these things. It speaks to keeping these things in the forefront of your mind so that you can make sense of your existence, so that you can navigate through the twists and turns of this confusing, crazy world, this heartbreaking world, this uncertain world. These disciplines, these facts keep us on track. They keep us on mission. We are to drill, to discipline our minds and our bodies, to bring our lives under the control of the word of God. It's a positive command followed by negative commands, right? Remind them of these things. And he says, charge them before God not to quarrel about junk, right? In verse uh, 14 and in verse 16, he says, and avoid irreverent babble because it just leads to more and more ungodliness. These are the things that cause friction. Majoring on the minors, for example. The word quarrel here, it means quibble, wrangle. It speaks to the proclivity of human nature to get wrapped up sometimes in the trivia. You see a lot of times with prophecy people, well, I wonder what that word means. Well, it could mean this or it could mean that. And so I think what Jesus, you don't know what, all you know is what the text says, right? And so we have to be careful. We don't want to be chasing crazy rabbit holes and going down into a rabbit hole and losing sight of why we're here. It's cliche, but true. We need to major on the major and minor on the minors. And I say this with fear and trembling for a couple of reasons. Number one, because the abuse of this statement is equally destructive. Too often today, the church of Jesus Christ specializes in lowering everything down to a non-essential. You look at statements of faith 30 years ago. And you look at statements of faith today and they keep getting shorter and shorter because we keep saying more and more things are less important. So I want to be careful because while we do want to major on the major and minor on the minors, we never want to mistake a minor for a major and we never, ever, ever want to mistake a major thing for a minor thing. And so Timothy's job, the pastor's job, The congregation's job as acts of worship is to make sure that they understand what the truth is, that there are beliefs and doctrines that cannot be overemphasized, and that there are beliefs and doctrines that can be underemphasized, and you want to avoid imbalance. You know, we hear the statement today, well, doctrine divides and worship unites, you know, you should run from people when they say that. It is true, though. Doctrine divides the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the professing Christian from the r- real Christian. And worship of the wrong things can unite just about everybody on anything. And that's why we read in 1 Timothy 6, 3-5, through that there are things that are important. And it says this in verse 3, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing because he has an unhealthy craving for controversy for quarrels about words which produce envy dissension slander evil suspicions and constant friction among people who are of depraved mind and deprived of the truth. Here we see truth versus friction. And this is why we keep watching our hearts and watching our ministry because there are so many things to distract us. And this, I, you know, you, you probably think this is a hobby horse we just can't let go of, but critical race theory is a different gospel of a different God. And it is the greatest threat to the church today. Unparalleled. It has a God that never forgives. It has a God that has no grace. And it seeks to not forgive, but to punish others mercilessly for all crimes real and imagined. And none of us, friends, can afford justice. We all need grace. It is the antithesis of Christianity. And so, if anyone teaches a different doctrine that we understand that there's some imbalanced craving that's going to produce friction and division.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, It is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening.